I've literally been at a dinner where a junior employee at like a fintech company in this space has been like, hey, did you know this company's losing this much money per purchase? They're going to be bankrupt by this time. And I'm like, first of all, you're not supposed to look at that stuff. Yeah. Second of all, why are you talking about that here? Yeah. That is crazy. There was actually a huge problem with this in Shopify for a really long time. And I'm not sure I'm not sure if it's gotten any better, um, but maybe it has. They may have fixed things, but like virtually every Shopify employee would have access to virtually every store. Wow. And so you could just bribe a Shopify employee to find out sales of another store. Or- there was a case, actually. The FBI cracked down on the case. Somebody at Shopify and somebody at Meta were both doing this. Meta was giving like uh, two-for-one credits on ads. And Shopify was basically doing this. This is Limited Supply, the place for refreshingly real takes on what D2C is really like. We're your hosts, Nick and Moyes. Let's start talking about money. Nick, the first decade in e-commerce was all about customer acquisition with Facebook, Google, and Snap. The next decade of e-commerce is going to be all about customer retention. Now, at the end of the day, you got to look at what's left in the bank account when all is said and done. What's the contribution margin look like and how much profit is there that will fund my next purchase order or my next ad campaign? With your AOV, I bet your customers would have loved the loyalty program. When I was at Hint, our loyalty program was incredible, but it was too outdated. That's why I'm so excited that we're partnering with Tandem for this season. Tandem is the infrastructure that allows brands to launch their own branded credit cards in less than 48 hours. With branded cards from Tandem, you cut processing fees by 66% and use their suite of tools to improve your contribution margin by up to 10%. Book your demo with Tandem and see how branded payments can level up your business. If you go to ddc.creditcard in your browser, you'll even get a $100 Amazon gift card to take a demo. That's ddc.creditcard. And book a demo to see how you can maximize contribution margin. All right, Nick, we're back for another episode of Limited Supply. It is snowing like there's no tomorrow here in New York. Bunch of stuff to talk about. I feel like we, I don't know, I feel like we haven't gotten together to do this in a couple well, of weeks last, now. Well, last time we had Rob on the podcast. Oh, that's so right. It yeah, feels yeah. like we've yeah, had it a gap while. Um, Okay, I know there's a bunch of stuff to go over. I think the uh, thing that both of us wanted to talk about was this business of fashion article that we saw. Yes. Which was crazy. Wait, how do you, do you pay for business of fashion? Yes. Wow, really? No. How do you <laughs> Uh, I'll show you afterwards. Okay. No, no, not through someone else. Wow, you Isn't pay that for it. Twelve foot paywall thing. What's a twelve foot? It's no. like uh, if you Google, I don't think it's actually called twelve foot paywall, but if you Google like one uh, two ft you can basically put almost any article in there, and it just gets rid of the paywall. Wow. Okay. I'm cheap enough. I don't know that. I'm not smart enough to know that, but I'm cheap enough that I'll go to like view source to see if it's in the yeah, source, yeah, but it's yeah. not there. You got to do something. Oh, and then this. you take the pop up and delete that element. That no, no. I just like sometimes the, like, you know, the view oh, the source, content the content. entire content is there. Uh, yeah. Which is like a workaround. You're definitely like the type of guy like to go check in at a hotel, hear the guy next to you, what room number and last name he's in, and then use his room number and last name on every check. <laughs> oh, no, no. That. that is... That is hilarious and evil, but I don't do that. Uh, for this, I, I don't know why I'm like, I get cheap around content. Yeah. But in the article, uh, basically they talked about clothing brands uh, or like fashion brands. And some were sort of going sideways that are gone under. They talked about Parade, Something Navy, Farfetch, Bandier. Bandier just went bankrupt, I think, or is yeah. acquired by Hillco in essentially a bankruptcy. And then they talked about two brands, one we know well, True Classic, and the other... 
I'm familiar with, but I don't know very well, called Dagny Dover. Is yes. that how you pronounce it? Dagny yeah, Dagny Dover? Dover. Okay, great. Are you familiar with that brand? Yeah, I'm familiar mostly as a customer. Um, really? And actually the founders were at Commerce Summit last year. So I got to meet them there. But I'm a huge fan of Dagny Dover. Oh yeah, why is that? Tell me why you're a big fan. They've done a really good job of building this brand. I wouldn't, Maybe I wouldn't say slowly, but it feels like they weren't trying to do the whole pump and dump yeah. in terms of marketing. Yeah. Maybe like Away did. It feels like they built this a lot more slowly and, and sustainably Yeah, over the last probably five or six years. But the quality of their products is phenomenal. Is it? Like it is the best, some of the best material. Yeah. And it just feels great. Okay. Awesome. I, I, I don't own anything from them, so I couldn't attest to that. They did talk about true, like what was great about the article is they went into numbers. Mm-hmm. True classic sales were 2022, $150 million, 2023, $207 million. 2022 EBITDA, $4.5 million. 2023 EBITDA, $19 million. Uh, For Dagny Dover, they didn't give last year, but they did do this one. Or I'm sorry, they didn't give 2022, but in 2023, they said 100 million top line, about 10 million EBITDA. I think they said a little bit less than 10 million. And then both of these brands are either trying to sell their business or fundraise across that business. I think they had mentioned True Classic had hired a banker, although mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I remember that. Molus. Yeah, Molus. Okay. And so they also mentioned valuations. And they said that True Classic, you know, again, 207 million top line sales, 19 million EBITDA last year, was looking for a $1 billion valuation. Dagny Dover, 100 million top line, 10 million EBITDA, looking for a $700 million valuation. What do you think about those numbers? So the interesting thing in the article about the Dagny one was they mentioned in the article that they were comparing Dagny to a beauty company valuation. Yes. I had this on my list too. I was going to ask you what your thoughts were on the valuation because you've definitely looked at a ton of businesses on the M&A side. You've sold businesses. You've looked at buying companies out of other big holding companies. And I'm just curious what your thoughts are on the valuation. Obviously, like... 100 or 200 million in revenue definitely gets you up there. Like it sets a floor, but then the EBITDA is so low. So like if I were you, I would look at this and say, oh, 10 million EBITDA, cool. This company's worth, you know, 30 million. I think it's worth more than 30 million. I think they're 10X, I'm sorry, they were looking for uh, 7X sales. Yeah, top line. And I think that is absolutely bananas. Um, Feels high. It's, uh, I'm just like, I don't know where this number is from. Like when I look at LVMH, and LVMH is uh, a poor, like, you know, they mentioned that for Dagny Dover, I think they said 70% of their sales were at full price. Yes. And not at discounts. Right. Sounds good. And, you know, when I think about brands that don't discount, I think about LVMH. Like you never go to Louis Vuitton and they're like, free small purse with the purchase (laughs) of a big one, right? Like that does not happen there. That doesn't happen. In fact, every year you just expect those prices to sort of go up from a new from a new uh, purchase perspective. Right. Like the bags to just get more and more expensive. And you know, LVMH is complicated because they have Louis Vuitton, but they have a bunch of other brands in there as well. They have Moet, they have Hennessy, mm-hmm. they have Tiffany's. You know, they, they own a bunch of stuff. Yeah. They traded a twenty x PE ratio. So, like, basically meaning whatever their earnings are, they traded, whatever their earnings were, let's say, last year, they traded 20x that. So, if they were a billion, they traded 20 billion. 20x top line? 20x earnings, EBITDA. Okay, got it. That's a lot. So, the way you got to think about it is, if I put a dollar in here, or, uh, you know, how many years before the business earns that dollar and can pay it back to me? Right. 
And so they're like, look, it'll, it'll take you 20 years to earn that dollar back. It's a four, sort of a 5% return if you think about it that way. Look, I don't know enough Dagny Dover. I don't know if they did 10 million in 2022 and 100 million in 2023. They did 1 million in EBITDA in 2022 and 10 million in EBITDA in 2023. Right. If that's the Would case- Would that make a difference though? Yeah, yeah. Because then you're like, okay, it's 2024. You know, you did 100 million last year. Maybe this year you'll do 300 million mm-hmm. because you just grew 10X last year. This right. year you'll grow 3X. Next year you'll grow one and a half X. You know, I can see all that happening. Right. And so I'm excited about it. And it would probably mean that in January of 2024, you probably had your best month ever. It was better than November 2023. Yeah. Uh, and then I'd be like, there's a lot of momentum to this brand. Even the holiday season, you did better in January than you did in November. Mm-hmm. I don't know how how long Dagny Dover has been around and I don't know their history. If they're growing at less than uh, doubling every year, I think this valuation is absolutely crazy. You know, I don't know how anyone would pay it yeah. uh, because I don't know how anyone would be like, great, if you're not doubling every year, if you're not going to do 200 million and 20 to a bottom line this year, what's going on? Why am I writing such a big check for this? Yeah. And like, you know, think about it. If you're like an investor, you're like, who's going to buy this? For like, you know, LVMH trades at a 20x PE ratio. You want a 70x PE ratio. 70 is insane. Yeah. You I know, always think about that too. Like who's going to be the one holding the bag at the end? Yes. Yes. And I feel years. like if if you were to invest at a 700, you're going to be the one holding the bag. At yes. The end. Yeah. I think that's really tough. I, You know, when I was looking at True Classic, True Classic wanted a billion dollar valuation. And I was like, okay, that also sounds crazy because it's basically 50X EBITDA. Right. And then I looked at Lululemon. Lululemon is trading at 61X. Wow. Uh, and I was like, why is Lulu at 61? I mean, very few things are at 61. Like for context, Apple is trading at 30. And that's high for Apple. Wow. Okay. Uh, P&G is trading at 25. Also high for P&G, frankly. So, you know, Lulu's trading at 60. Yeah. That is a lot. And Gap, for context, Gap is trading at 7. 7 7x earnings. Lulu is trading at 61x. I'm curious to see what Viore is going to end up trading at. Yeah, they raised at a $4 billion valuation some time ago with SoftBank. Yeah. Uh, Like, you know, they're still a private company, so it's hard to understand where they're at exactly. Is there any reason why True Classic shouldn't just go public? First, it costs about a million dollars a year to be public company. Because you need to do, like, you need to have audited financials, which they may have already, but you probably need it from a big four firm. You also need to do a bunch of Sarbanes-Oxley compliance. Mm-hmm. You have to buy DO insurance, which is called directors and officers insurance, which also is expensive these days. So it's at least a million dollars a year to be a publicly traded business. Yeah. And, you know, $19 million is not a big bit, like, you know, it's just too much. It's not a big publicly traded business. And you could get killed very easily, like Allbirds yeah. did and, like, Rent the Runway did. yeah. I think it'd be tough for them to go public. I also, like, you know, I thought the valuation was insane until I saw Lulu's and I was like, wow, it's 61. Yeah, it doesn't seem that crazy. I still don't know. I like, you know, I don't know how uh, a billion dollar check is still really hard to write for uh, $19 million in EBITDA, I think. Uh, But, you know, not impossible. Yeah, it almost feels like a software valuation. It does, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. You know, Aloe Yoga also hired Molas, I think. Um, I really? saw an article. I think it was also in Business of Fashion several no months ago. No wonder the Molas offices are so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think Molas is publicly traded, believe it or not. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Um, yes, it is. They're worth $4 billion. Wow. So, you know, True Classic is 25% of them, they're saying. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think they were also trying to set, like raise money at a $1.2 billion valuation. Very similar. Like True Classic also has not raised money. Aloe, I'm pretty sure, has not raised money. 
I'm not sure if the Dagny Dover has raised money in the past or has not raised money. I, I think they, they have. Oh, they have. Okay. I think Aloe has also raised money. Have they? Okay. I thought um, they hadn't, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah, they received a $400 million investment in 2021 from SoftBank. Aloe? Yeah. I thought that was Viore. Hmm. I could be very wrong. Could be both. I don't know. I could be wrong sure. here too. It'd be bananas for uh, like SoftBank to be like, I'm writing $400 million. To, yeah, I'm uh, betting on both of these horses to conquer the market. Yeah. But not impossible. I feel like SoftBank just throws money wherever yeah. I feel like it's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like there's yes. some guy who's like a vibes guy and he's like, my vibes are pointing me to Aloe and Viore. Yeah, it's that last guy's, his last name is Saad. It's like Mashiyoshi Saad. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce his first yeah, name something actually. Like that. Um, yes, that's what he does. Okay, let's get to, I know you want to talk about rare beauty. Let's do that in one second. There was one other article I wanted to talk about, which was renting clothing. We both yes. saw it today. And it talked about Rent the Runway and Stitch Fix. And so um, it talked about Rent the Runway served 3 million customers. They have 132,000 active subscribers as of October 31st. It has a $50 million market cap, Rent the Runway. And they also talked about Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix is, you know, you're, you're familiar with Stitch Fix? Yeah, of course. A little bit of a difference between the two. Rent the Runway seems to want to rent you like name brand clothing, like, you yeah. know, Diane von Fostenberg or whatever. Like, I don't know what the hell that is, DBF. but something like that. Is that what it's called? Is you yeah, I think it just goes by DVF. Oh, really? That way brown guys don't mispronounce it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think any brown guy knew, has ever pronounced that name other than me just now or attempted to. <laughs> Uh, and then they talk about Stitch Fix sells more private label goods. Like their MO is private label. Yeah. But they're also losing subscribers. And when you think about like Trunk Club, Trunk Club's dead. And there have been new businesses that have popped up into this industry. They talked about one called Newly, N-U-U-L-Y, which is backed by Urban Outfitters. I've seen Newly blow up. Like, really? Uh, it looks like they have almost a million monthly visits on their site, which is bananas for a new company. How, how did you hear about them? People in our office rent from Newly. Really? And they previously never rented from Rent the Runway or Stitch Fix. I've actually, have you ever tried Stitch Fix? No. I've tried it once. Very weird experience, but I think that's because I'm just a guy. But Newly is the one that I feel like everybody is on. Like if you go to a, forget if it's FedEx or UPS, like all you see is bags of Newly being ready to be shipped back out. Really? Yeah, I don't know how Newly just took the market by storm. Maybe I should analyze that for another episode. But it seems like they came in and they were like, we're not going to be this white label stuff or private label. We're not going to be super high in fashion, but we're going to curate very good looking pieces. And um, yeah, basically get you in on a on a fairly affordable uh, membership. Like I think their membership started around 100 bucks. So they've got two sides of their business, like a thrift, like, you know, um, a marketplace for you to sell used clothing and another marketplace for renting clothing or another mm -hmm. part of their business rents clothing. The renting is bigger than the thrift. Is that right? I, it sounds like that's- I would imagine so. So interesting. Uh, I hadn't heard of it until I saw this article. You know, do you think renting clothing works or it doesn't work? I don't know. I feel like I'm the wrong demo, but I, I know Why? a lot of girls like the idea of renting clothing because they can get a fresh closet- Basically every month. Yeah. I personally like the idea. Like, yeah. I think I would do it. But I feel like I'm also, and I think most guys are just terrible stylers. Like, yeah. girls can look at a shirt, like a tiny little shirt that it shouldn't even look like it fits them and think of 25 outfits yeah. from that one shirt. Yeah. I look at a shirt and I'm like, oh, cool. It's a black t-shirt. <laughs> There's no other thought. Yeah. But I think Newly's good for the the former. Yeah. The latter. 
Yeah, I think it also, like, you know, it seems to make sense from, like, an environmental perspective and, yeah. you know, uh, hey, let's, like, not spend $2,000 on one dress and instead get right. clothing for a month. Uh, but I, or like several months, but I, I still don't, I don't know why no one has like won this market yet. And I think that like COVID might've really put a damper on this market because yeah. like, you know, before, you know, I took this call wearing a blazer and a sweater and boxers the other day. Cause I was like, okay, no one's going to see me from the waist down. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think COVID has really made it so that rent the clothes, like you don't need to rent clothing if you're not going to walk into your law office. And if you're yeah. going to walk into your law office, three days a week or a day a week instead of five days a week, you also may need like, a, it might also be a different vibe. And I also feel like possibly, even if you do have to go in five days a week, it might be way more casual today than it was pre-COVID. Yeah. And so I'm not sure, I, I, I'm not sure how this works in the future. Yeah, I feel like Rent the Runway has sort of always also just struggled in general. Yeah. I think it's because, like, first of all, all these people are going to the same place. They're going to Facebook ads. Yeah. So like in terms of marketing, none of these companies have done anything really different. If anything, they've had different like eras maybe. Like Stitch Fix was first. Yeah. And sort of came in, educated the market. And then Rent the Runway came after. And then now Newly is here. I, I think Rent the Runway did some unique things. They would make it so that like, you know, if they've got, let's say they you have a bunch of, I used to work at this law firm here in New York. If you have a bunch of women at the law firm, mm -hmm. they'll actually put a place where you can just deposit the clothes that you're supposed to return yeah. in the office. Yeah. So now it's almost like, you know, the Netflix DVD, you ended up with it for a long time because you never wanted to mail it back. Right. Now you don't need to. You just put it in the box and it's over. Right. I thought that was pretty clever. But I, I don't know. It just seems like no one's been able to crack the market and I'm not sure why that's the case. I hope everyone here wins. I just don't know why like um, people haven't adopted this more. And no one seems to be doing it for men. Like, yeah. I haven't heard of any men's yeah, rent you're right. or clothing. There's, there's been like one or two companies, but the quality is just like not there. Like, like with Rent the Runway, you like you said, there's a $2,000 dress. Yeah. There's no, I don't know of any men's site where you can go, you know, instead of paying three grand for a nice jacket, yeah. you can rent it. Yeah, that's fair. And I think they do, men's do, men do do this a lot with like tuxedos for like yeah. weddings and stuff. But I think that like going back to your black t-shirt example, I wonder if there'd be a good, if a good business would be, here's the entire outfit that you should get. Like, don't, you are too, Nick, you are too stupid to see a black shirt <laughs> and understand what to do with it. We've assembled the outfit so you don't have to think about it too much. Like, yeah. yes, here's the black shirt, but here's what you should wear over it, the shoes that you should go with it and the jeans. And so now it's an entire outfit that we've done. It's less about the expensive clothing. It's more about the style. Yeah. But I still haven't seen it work and I, I still don't know if it would work. I'm I'm actually kind of shocked. Like this is one of the spaces where influencers and creators haven't gotten in or like led a brand or been the face. Yeah. And there's so point. many, you know, there's probably a thousand of these fashion accounts that people follow religiously. Yeah. Like why not take, you know, 15% of one of these companies, divvy it up into equity yeah. and get, you know, a hundred of these influencers on board. Yeah. Good point. I haven't seen that either. Yeah. Okay, Nick, I went to Long Weekend's website and I used Weekend Pay when I checked out. I know that's powered by Tandem. Can you tell me what the hell Weekend Pay is? Yes. So Tandem's awesome. Have you ever gone to JetBlue's website or the Macy's store and been asked to sign up for their credit card? That's because the stores benefit from lower processing fees, higher shopper AOV, higher customer loyalty, and a higher repeat purchase rate. Tandem allows any Shopify brand to build their own branded credit card system. Previously, you had to be a billion dollar a year brand to go to a big bank and build a branded credit card with them. 
I've actually gone down that path to see what's possible, and that's how I actually discovered Tandem. The same team that built this at Capital One for brands is now making it so that any DTC brand can immediately launch a branded credit card. On top of that, with Tandem, you can focus on contribution margin. Many of the brands launching with Tandem are seeing a 10% increase in contribution margin from the program. 2024 is the year to focus on profit. To learn more about Tandem, open your browser and enter dtc.creditcard and then press enter. Book a demo with the amazing team at Tandem. And if you're a brand that does over $5 million a year, you'll get a $100 Amazon gift card. Again, go to dtc.creditcard to make more profit. Okay, let's switch gears. Tell me what you were, uh, you saw something about Rare Beauty and I didn't know what it was, so tell me about it. Yeah, so Rare Beauty is Selena Gomez's makeup company. And we've talked about it before. It's It does incredibly well, both in retail and online. They have a fund that is a rare impact fund that's donated $12 million. Supposedly- uh, They've donated $12 million? Yeah. This must be a very good business. It, insanely good business. Supposedly in, in 2022, and these, these numbers are all from Google, so I'm not sure how accurate they are, but in 2022, supposedly they did $70 million, which I think is accurate, and then they were on track to triple that last year, wow. which I think is, it also sounds very accurate. Wow. They have the largest Sephora display in Sephora. I think it's two panels, and I think it's expanding to three. But um, wow. this past week, they launched a whole new product line. So previously, they were mostly makeup or beauty-ish products, they just launched their new product line called Find Comfort, which is uh, four products. It's a fragrance mist, a body lotion, a hand lotion, and an aromatherapy pen. And they rolled it out on direct-to-consumer Sephora and then Sephora's online store, which Sephora's online store, if you're one of their good brands, their own network of content creators and Sephora insiders, ambassadors, is probably, I've realized, the best platform you know, if you're like uh, launching a new product and you can get into 500 hands on day one yeah. and by day four have 250 reviews on a product. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I've, I haven't seen anything that works just as good. Do you know who's, who owns uh, Sephora, by the way? LVMH, right? Yeah. 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 So the, the, they were uh, featured on Sephora.com. Yeah. Yeah. And in store. Big yeah. uh, window posters and whatnot. So anyway, so they launched something. So they launched the products. The products obviously did really well at launch. But they launched something on top of this, which I thought was interesting, called the Comfort Club. Have you heard about this? No. So the Comfort Club, if you go to the Rare Beauty website on the homepage, you'll see yeah. a button that says, you know, come into the Comfort Club. This is basically, their team realized that self-comfort kind of falls into three buckets, relaxation, movement, and connection. When I first looked at this, I was like, okay, I wonder, you know, I don't think I'm the person that's going to go to the brand's website and try to figure out, you know, do a, a one-minute hand massage or a two-minute neck massage or whatever it may be that's up on the Comfort Club. But it's done extremely well, and I thought they did it in a very smart way. So basically, they tapped four main partners that they've previously worked with. One was called Open, which is a meditation app. Uh, one's called Beyond Yoga, which is an apparel brand. One's called The Now, which is a massage studio. And then they tapped into a podcaster who I think they've worked with before named Alexis. I just thought it was a really interesting and unique way of generating top of funnel for a brand where they've got all this leverage with Selena's audience and obviously the size of Rare. They've brought four other brands together that they've worked with in the past that are not also the category dominant brands. Like it's not Calm or Headspace. It's yep. not Aloe or Viore. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, like they basically created top of funnel and a, a reason to come to the site and spend time on the site and use the site and get more into the brand without selling you anything yeah. and without doing much. I mean, our team actually got to design and, and put this thing up, the Comfort Club. It's literally just like the entire end goal is for people to not buy anything, to just come and chill, relax, and be on the site. And it's done ex like extremely well for that purpose. When did they launch it? This launched on Monday. Okay. Yeah. Look, I'm not the right person to like, Look, I, 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 you know, Selena Gomez is a force in never of uh, herself, and Rare Beauty is an incredibly well-run business and operates. You know, is really, is great, and you know, the website design that you built or like your team built also looks awesome. Like it looks really easy to use and fun. But this reminds me of like those businesses that are doing so well that they're like, where should we spend money? And they just look for like it reminds you know. Casper, when Casper was sort of the only mattress company in the world, yeah. the online mattress company in the world, they started spending money by creating like a newsletter or like, you know, they were mm -hmm. like, but the new, like they hired like the editor of like the New Yorker or something. Wow. It was some in, like insane public, like you're, you're like, is this going to be a news publication? And uh, the answer was sort of yes. And I think Harry's did that as well. They called it like five o'clock. Mm -hmm. And for a while they were like, we're going to launch this every day or every week and we're going to launch content. And you're just like, the, generally I f feel like it's been businesses that are bloated isn't the right word. It's actually like so successful. They're like, what else? They feel invincible, a sense yeah. of invincibility. And they end up doing things like this. And I feel like those things never perform. Like you're saying this does. And so I could be completely wrong about this one. And certainly Casper and or Harry's are not nearly as, renowned as Selena Gomez or Rare Beauty. But I found that those things are sort of always distractions from the core business. And so hard, like if you're the CEO and you're like, what is what metric should I measure Comfort Club being successful? Number of people who come on and then come and make another purchase. Like, you know, you came on to do a one minute meditation or a one minute scalp massage, and then you came in making a purchase. Just views, like how many people have done the one minute scalp massage? you know, how much time and effort and energy should we invest in this? And I feel like these things are always a little bit distracted from uh, the main mission. And it's a sign that a business is so, it's it, it's not a bad sign. Yeah. It's not like, I don't take it as a sign where things are going to go poorly moving forward. It's just a sign that the business has been so successful that I feel like they're invincible. And they're like, let's start telling people how to, let's start, uh, you know, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree somewhat on there. Yeah. I do think with Selena Gomez being a part of it, it creates like she's got, I don't know, 100 million people who are ready to engage. Yes. I would imagine, I'm not sure how they're tracking, like what their KPI is that they're looking for, but I would imagine it's basically, does this extend uh, or does this increase like basket size? Yeah. Or does this increase overall LTV? Yeah. I do agree generally, like uh, if a company doesn't have a reason to create content, like, you know, no one, no one cares about what Casper's editor says or Harry's yeah. editor says. I would definitely agree with you there. In fact, when we were at, when I was at Hint, I tried to do something similar because I realized we were paying all these publications for sponsored editorial content. Uh-huh. You know, it was like you'd pay Refinery29 $60,000 for two articles. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I remember those things. you just get absolutely robbed. It's I don't know if those are still the rates today. I can't imagine they are. But um, you pay sixty grand, you get something that, you know, you sort of tell them what you want. And then by the time it goes through their, you know, editorial and journalism best practices, it looks completely different than what, you know, it's not going to drive sales at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. 
so we ended up launching our own. And then we hired an editor to basically join full time and run it. But yeah, it just never worked out for the same reason. Maybe for the same reason the Harry's one didn't work out, which is like we hired somebody who liked to write and create written content, whereas we were like, no, you need to be writing advertorials 24-7. Uh, so you hired, and that person like created a blog or something? Just yeah, so we web. created one called The Quench. I don't think the it's Quench. online anymore, okay, but it was thequench.com. Yeah. And um, yeah, now it just redirects to the blog. But we created thequench.com. It was supposed to be The Quench published by Hint. And the idea was like, you know, when you buy a Porsche, you don't go to Porsche's website to go figure out where to road trip. Yeah. But you would maybe from, you know, town and country. Yeah. And so the idea was like, could we make our own version of town and country? And what, what was it sort of like, here's how to make a cocktail with Hint? Or here, like, yeah, well, here's where to drink Hint. <laughs> yeah, we had, a, we had a couple things. So I was always trying to figure out how do we maximize shares, like organic shares. And so we would basically create content that we thought would do well based on what other publications like a Well and Good or Pop Sugar were putting out. We'd run it on Facebook as a boosted post, and then we'd see if the number of shares would equal the number of likes. And if they did, then wow. we would really blow it up. Okay. And ju we just knew that, okay, we're, we're going to get, you know, for every person that we pay to come to the site, we might get like 10 others yeah. that come. Uh, and then the other, other one was just like, okay, this is a good place for us to write our five reasons why articles that we drive a Facebook ad, sure. five reasons why you should buy a hint and yeah. go yeah, to a landing sense. page. Yeah, that, uh, we tried to do that once with not the bustle, but hello something. I forgot what it was. Mm. And it was the same, like they were like um, $50,000. And I was like, look, I'll give you $20,000. Yeah. And they're like, no, 50. They're wow, like, you gave 20? I only offered 10. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. They're like, uh, I don't remember the exact amounts, but I was like, look, this is insane. Yeah. You guys are going to write, you guys are going to spend four seconds Dude, on yes, this. Yes, that is exactly what I would say. I'm like, this is going to take you 40 minutes. Yeah. And it's going to be done by a 26-year-old with yeah. a marketing degree that doesn't right know anything about anything. Yeah. And I'm not going to pay for his or her annual salary for this 40 minutes. Like, <laughs> are you fucking crazy? And they're like, no, we're not going to, we're not budging. They're like, I knew we should have talked about, like, they said something a little bit mean, which was like, I forgot which publication it was. They're like, I knew we should have talked about rates first. And I was like... Are you guys serious? Like, I got to, like, you know, I keep thinking about this because I mentioned this in a tweet recently. I was like, yeah. I got to buy you a fucking Mercedes Benz to get you to help yeah, do yeah, this yeah. thing. I was like, this is insane. It's nuts. You should take a Toyota Corolla. Yeah. A Toyota Corolla is more than sufficient for the amount of work I'm asking. It'll you last to do. you three times longer. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But you want like an E class Benz, and that is bananas. And so we didn't get it done. The last thing I'll say on the Comfort Club is Jason from Hexclad mentioned this recently, which was, the you know the biggest growth lever for companies that are already huge multi hundred million dollar revenue is generally like more brand awareness and I think this accomplishes that goal with the comfort club yeah, yeah. makes sense yeah um, okay there's one thing I wanted to touch base on and I know we got to wrap up pretty soon yeah. there's some email changes happening February first 2024 yes they're being driven by Gmail and Yahoo we might have touched on them before frankly yeah let's go over it again though yeah because I keep seeing like um, uh, like, you know, Clavio has been sending out emails for the last like few months being like, hey, get ready for these changes. Get ready for these changes. Get ready for these changes. This is a separate from the cookie change that's also happening with Google. Yeah. And, which just uh, went into effect. It did go into effect? I think effect? so. Yeah. Because they postponed it so many times. I was like, you know, this is- I think January 4th was wow. the day. Okay. Well, here are two of the changes that I 
saw that were like really important. One is actually, I shouldn't say two. One is important and one seems less important. One is a one-click unsubscribe. Basically, everyone starting February 1st has to have one-click unsubscribe. Meaning you can't click unsubscribe and then then go to another page and encourage that. Like, you know, we had, oh my God, let me tell you this quick story, actually. We had this great, that we didn't do this because it would have been horrific, but I had this great idea where I was going to be like, uh, (laughs) you click, uh, actually, what we did do is we're like, if you click unsubscribe, you're taken to another page. And we're like, look, if you unsubscribe, you're going to make our dog, this dog really sad. Yeah. Muppet. We're like, you're going to make Muppet really sad. But one idea we had was, we're going to kill this dog if you unsubscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, we weren't going to do anything like that. But I was like, what if we wrote that in the copy? Uh, obviously we were like, like actually that. i'm not gonna unsubscribe i'm gonna get three other people to subscribe yeah that's right yeah there was like some reddit post like they went like mini viral on reddit like it's got a lot of upvotes where people were like this is such shitty design but like we had a lot of dis- uh, we had a lot of comments that were like this isn't designed so they're just trying to keep you it wasn't a big deal yeah but anyway so now you need one click unsubscribe which is great actually i feel like there are a lot of like that will make my life a lot easier the other bigger one is um Send wanted emails only. Yep. And this is the this is the stat that says in effort to reduce spam uh, spam, Google will require bulk senders to stay under a 0.3% spam complaint threat spam complaint rate threshold. So that means that for every thousand emails you send, if you get three that are if three people market as spam, you could lose access to uh, your all of your users' accounts. Okay. Or like, you know, uh, I, unclear what the punishment is just right now. Yeah. But a point, like, you know, look, 0.3% is not low. I, I mean, it's not, it's not super high, yeah. you know, it's yeah. not low that, because like, you probably don't have that many, but it's not super high either. It's not like 1% where you're like, okay, gotcha. This is probably yeah. a list that, you know, you it, it doesn't make any sense. 0.3% is like, I mean, kind of a good that's going to be like, think about the time right now. All these people, thousands of people signed up for your list during Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you know, these people, I mean, they don't know the news that we're reading right now. They're just yeah. going to click spam. Mark spam on uh, Gmail. Yeah. And like that'll Kill be you. the end of your fucking email list. Yeah. The end of your brand possibly, yeah. you know? So I, I, I look, I don't know if the end, of, I don't know well, like what happens if you hit 0.3%. This article said you could lose access to users' inboxes. I'm sure the, there's some reputation in some part of it that like makes yeah. sense, but like, it's not a high or threshold. Or like Adidas, right? Like yeah. Adidas probably sends an email out and gets marked spam all the time. Yes. Like I wonder how they're going to handle that. Yeah. And um, it, remember when people would also do like the, hey, sign up here and get access. You can win a $1,000 vacation and yeah. all this oh, stuff. Like, you know, you can't screwed. do that. Because then you you and 14 other brands or five other brands share lists, right. uh, share the opt-ins. And then those opt-ins will like always mark high spams, yeah, ha- totally. have high spam rates. Um, the other things are like pretty simple. You couldn't like right now, some bulk senders will send from like their Gmail account, like, you know, moiseali at gmail.com. That is not my email address. Do not email me. Uh, but uh, not, don't not email. Me. Don't ever email. Me. <laughs> but like moiseali at gmail.com, like they'd send it from their at gmail.com. Now they're like, you can't do, really do that anymore. You have to send from the branded domain account. Wow. So they, they're encouraging like things like that. Which makes sense because yeah. um, it does look like the overall impact is going to be net positive here. Uh, for who? The consumer or the merchant? Definitely for the consumer. Yeah. I think also on the merchant side, really? I think it'll just, I think it'll force people to just be smarter and like be less, you know, you know, like if, if you're sending to people who are going to mark spam or who are likely to mark spam anyways, 
those are probably people you shouldn't be sending to in the first place. It's hard to figure out who those people are. Yeah. And then on Black Friday, you know, if I spend three emails before and I hit that 3.3%, maybe on the third yeah. email I could, but like afterwards I wouldn't again because right. like that was my Black Friday. I'm pushing you with a ton of stuff. Right. You know, is that like, what would, it, you know, I, I'm not sure if like, you know, would that trigger it? I don't know enough about how much sender reputation and sender history matters to Google yet. Yeah. Nobody does, I think, because it's- still And I think it's a black box. Like, I don't think you can go in and look at that either, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I saw this in multiple places. Okay. So I'm not sure. Like, you know, they did say don't like, you know, 0.3%, I think is some sort of magic number, but the repercussions are unclear just yet. Yeah. And so I think that like, you know, like iOS 14, do you think that was a net positive for both consumer and merchant? No. Okay. I think that was uh net negative maybe for both. Yeah, cuz like yeah, at least on the merchant side, you just get inaccurate numbers. I'm not sure. Like I do think that this will probably be net positive for consumers certainly the one click unsubscribe. Yeah. Um and do you know if that click goes to a web page? Um like I'm assuming you would click it, it would automatically unsub you, but then you could probably put some content there to one um, click get them back in. Uh no. No, you don't even leave Gmail, actually. I oh, just really? tried it. I just tried it right now in another company that has it live. Wow. Um, and I just click unsubscribe and it's like a, there's a Gmail pop-up that says, do you want to unsubscribe? You click yes. But that's through Gmail, right? I feel like what they're saying is the link at the bottom that says unsubscribe. No, you just need to have the, the link at the top. Like it'll be like, you know, from Moise at MoiseAli.com. Yeah. Right next to that in the from area of the Gmail, the top header, there'll be an unsubscribe uh, like, moving forward. And that is one click and you're out. Wow. And like, you know, so I'm often like, oh, I'm angry at this company. Let me click re yeah. report spam and unsubscribe yeah. to this guy. I get people who respond to the newsletter and just be like, I didn't sign up for this. Fuck you. Yeah. Bro, you did. Yeah, yeah. That's Those not, type of people are going to screw it up though. That's right. Yeah. So you do just have to be more careful. I think there may be a net positive because you're going to be more careful about the emails you send, but it's an, I'm not sure if it's net, net, net positive overall. It's just too uh, early to tell what will happen. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, I know Clavio. I would assume Sunlane as well because like realistically, I'm almost certain. I know Clavio does the one-click unsubscribe. They're automatically updating it. I assume Sunlane will as well. Damn. I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes. Maybe we should... Um... We should get some notes from Jimmy or something on yeah. how yeah, I would love this that. will affect email yeah. and like what he's doing. I feel like he's pretty technical about this stuff. Yeah, he seems to be really technical yeah. about it. Um, okay, there's one. Let's switch gears. We have to wrap up in just a minute. There's one thing I wanted to mention, which is just like Facebook and Pinterest stuff. Yes. It was really like this last week, I saw a couple of posts on Twitter and then one in e-commerce fuel where basically people were like, is everyone seeing Facebook ads getting more expensive yeah. since like, you know, the last week, since Monday, since January 6th, since January 10th, different days people had, but they're like, you know, we saw a surge in pricing then. Did anyone else see this? I really wish this existed. There's a company that tried to do it, or maybe they're still trying called Varos, V-A-R-O-S. Yeah. I know Triple Whale has sort of built it in, but I feel like people aren't relying on these for some reason or another. But really just a Dow Jones narrative uh, is this um, agency that also sends out a weekly email saying, hey, here's how we've seen CPMs and CPAs for the last week. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel like people are still want a real-time Dow Jones of like what to expect with Facebook ads. Like, are prices for most people up today? Are prices for most people down today? I wish that existed. That still doesn't seem to exist. It's definitely been attempted a few times. Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't it doesn't exist in an easy way. Like yeah. Barros, you can log in and I think you have to connect. I can't mine just says locked everywhere. So I can't even look at Barros. But yeah, I mean if you could go to like 
you know, stocks.d2c.com and yeah. just look at all the platforms and, and maybe even break are. it out by category. You know, automotive is up 13%, but yeah. beauty is down. Beauty is down. Yeah. 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 I think that'd be so helpful. I don't know why that doesn't exist in a great way yet. It would be fantastic. Somebody should build it like a Zoom info model where to get access to it, you have to authenticate with your account so yeah. you can pull data. Yes. And, um, uh, and then it'd be free to everybody. Yeah. I, I would say two things about that. Uh, one is that's exactly how I do it. Basically, you have to share data in order to receive data. But you know, the hard part is I, I think Facebook would have a, a trouble with it because they'd be like, look, you have a good sense of what our earnings are going to be like yeah, if, this is, if this is public every day. Yeah. One of the things that I've gotten uh, very worried about is when I give access to data to smaller businesses, they're looking at that data on a one, like, you know, if I give access to Facebook, like, you know, if I log in through Gmail, like, uh, well, if I log into a big company thing, I'm like, I, nobody cares about me. Yeah. But if I log into small businesses, like uh, not Veros, but let's use a different example because Veros is a real company. Moise Ali Inc. Yeah. You log in and Moise Ali Inc. is doing this and he only has five of them. You know, he might be going through all five, seeing the actual CPAs, seeing the actual ads and sharing that data with other people. And I know this because other people have shared that data with me and I felt really uncomfortable with that. Yeah. And I was like, you know, you're, you have access to someone's something. You probably shouldn't share that data uh, like with anybody unless there's a really compelling reason for that brand. So I'm like always worried where I'm like, I'm sharing data with a small business. That small business may share it, maybe looking at it on an individual basis and sharing it with other people. I could not agree with you more. Yeah. I, I've literally been at a dinner where a junior employee at like a fintech company in this space has been like, hey, did you know this company's losing this much money per purchase? They're going to be bankrupt by this time. And I'm like, first of all, you're yeah. not supposed to look at that stuff. Yeah. Second of all, why are you talking about that here? Yeah. That is crazy. There was actually a huge problem with this in Shopify for a really long time. And I'm not sure I'm not sure if it's gotten any better, um, but maybe it has. They may have fixed things, but like virtually every Shopify employee would have access to virtually every store. Wow. And so you could just bribe a Shopify employee to find out sales of another store. Or there was a case actually. The FBI cracked down on the case. Somebody at Shopify and somebody at Meta were both doing this. Meta was giving like uh, two for one credits on ads. And Shopify was basically doing this. Yeah, uh, like this. This was common at Shopify for a really long time. Yeah, and we were never on Shopify. We weren't on Shopify uh, when Native was growing, like before it was PNG. And um, you know, I had a Shopify rep, and I'm like, I can't. Like, no, you guys could give data to anybody. Yeah, you know, it's leaking all over the place. Like, I talked to some friends, and they'd be like, this business, this much, this business is doing this much in revenue. This business is doing this much in revenue. I'm like. How do you know that? Like, you know, um, and it was accurate because I remember one time he told me about a business I had invested in and I was like, yeah, that is accurate. How do you know this? Yeah. And then, you know, I didn't uh, reveal that I knew that it, the number was accurate, but he's like, yeah, I've got a Shopify rep and you can just ask him and he tells you. Have you heard of nextbigshop.com? No. I'll send you my login. You can basically search any brand and based on inventory, it'll pull you fairly accurate sales data. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay, I know we got to wrap. For the next episode, a couple things I've got that I want to chat about. One is, you know, this is election year. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk about basically where can you advertise where, uh, you know, $2 billion of election ad spend is going to come in, which is close to what P&G spends, except it's just coming in all at once. And so where can you spend on advertising and how should you prepare? The other one is, um, did you see that ShopPay is now on Everlane? Starting, yeah, it's on yeah, Everlane. It's on which I want to come with some stats for next time. Okay, awesome. But, uh, but yeah, it looks like they're, I mean, they're going to kill Bolt and Fast. I mean, Fast is dead, but it looks like they might kill 
a lot of the other one-click checkouts that are going after these enterprise companies. And what about Stripe? Where is Stripe in this? I don't know. Stripe is like, their one-click checkout's called Link. Link. It's awful. I don't see it anywhere. Yeah. I feel like I should be the one seeing the advertising from Stripe to us saying, hey, how can you incorporate Link in your stores? I haven't seen any of it. And like, you know, like it could be on Uber, Amazon. It could be, yeah. the, it could power the entire world. Yeah. Um, it's, it's powering shop pay. It's powering shop pay. Yeah. Uh, it could power, but what I mean to say is like those credentials could li live everywhere. Right. And so I'm so shocked that Stripe hasn't done, been far more aggressive about this. Like if yeah. I worked at Stripe and I was reading Link, I'd be like, we need this on Bloomingdale's. We need this everywhere. We need like a brand around it. We need billboard. Like generally I think Stripe never needs to worry about advertising. I'd be like one click checkout across the country, like, you know, across the world. Yeah. It's basically like Apple Pay everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Um, and so I'm still stunned that they have not done a better job of this. But I want to talk yeah. about that too, because I've got something that says, if Nick mentions Everlane, mention that Stripe should go public. And I have a, a conversation about that. Amazing. We'll save it for the next one. Cool. Next episode is going to be good. Thank you for listening and see you next week. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next time to cut through the noise in CPG, retail, and e-commerce. And if you enjoyed this episode, then why not share it with a friend? And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss the next one.